Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast and it's one that I've been looking forward to. Um... For those of you on the hub who have, uh, it's your first Hubcast or you've, you're a new member, my name's Martin Johnson, I'm the CEO of Trans2 Performance. Um, I've got with me a special guest today who is Christina Colmer McHugh. Did I get that right? You did. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been laughing uh, off air about trying to get that right. So Christina is the co-founder of Moodbeam, uh, an innovative startup or tech startup here in Hull. Uh, I say startup, but it's been it's been some time now. I guess how long have you been? Uh, three years. Three yeah. years. Three years in the making, but it's really exciting. There's a lot of uh, momentum building. I think certainly in the area, but generally in the UK about the product. The reason I've got Christina on today is because we have a section on the hub called uh, the well-being section, and um, we record various hubcasts and videos and, and write content around what people, what managers, if you like, can be doing in organisations to be able to. Uh, think about well-being, to cater for their employees' needs, and certainly for those people who may be struggling from time to time with workload, with pressures, with stress, anxiety, whatever it might be. I know it's uh, you know mental health is becoming um, you know more aware in the organisation. We're speaking about it more. It's getting more profile, and therefore uh, we strongly believe, as you know, that we have a duty of care to try and do something about it, and not just be aware of it. So um, I've got Christine. Christina in to talk today about about well-being in the workplace and some of her thoughts but before we do do you just want to give a little bit more introduction to Moodbeam and your story and why you've obviously wait what why you how you've got to where you are today yeah well do thank you Martin first of all for the opportunity it's great to to be here yeah Moodbeam really is I guess uh, it's quite a bold statement but factually right in that if I say it is the first wearable for the mind um, I created Moodbeam um, out of the need uh, as a mum to know how my daughter was feeling when she wasn't with me. She was having the usual struggles at school, um, but I sort of was left thinking, well, there must be something more that I can do to get a conversation going uh, within the family environment initially um, and uh, provide her and empower her in a way to be able to log her emotions in real time and then at a time more convenient to us. Uh, talk about what they look like and why she felt a certain way. So Moodbeam was created then from a personal experience. I mean, there was no uh, desire and, and strategizing for years about creating something. It just was sparked from a personal experience where you was thinking with your daughter, if I had something like Tangible. this yeah. that, that could connect me to my daughter when I'm not with her, just to track how she is doing, first and foremost, mm. that would be of use. And that was your first... Oh, it was a complete uh, light bulb moment. You know, I was a working journalist for 20 plus wow. years before that. Uh, busy working mum, if you like. A uh, husband who worked away a lot. And uh, but it was really, you know, school were very supportive at the time. The other family were. And, and, and we were as a family. But it left me realising that, you know, I like to think of us as a family who talk about everything and are very open. But it was the fact that a seven-year-old child had tried to cope on her own initially with these feelings and and try and you know uh, decide for herself whether something was good or bad 
that made me realize that I actually didn't give enough credit to a, a child growing up to know that, that around the age mm. of seven, as I've discovered, they do become quite conscious and aware of feelings. Um, and really what I wanted to do was help her cope and find a perspective on her day. Yeah. She's not she's never gonna change. She's that nature, she's the personality. And well then, let me let me ask you a question on that because I've got three children and my middle daughter is uh, at times the most courageous and bold and feral and challenging, <laughs> but she's the one who uh, suffers with anxiety mm. more than the other two children. Now, I'm a very extroverted, outgoing, confident person. My wife is a chronic worrier. Mm. So we try and sort of think, well, has has my wife's worries um, uh, and worrying instead of mine passed on to my middle daughter because mm. she's observed that or whatever it might be? Or are some children just more prone to worrying? I mean, what's your... Well, when you look about you and your husband and, yeah, and your daughter, yeah. is there any triggers in her that you that you could sort of linked to why she was feeling the way she was or did it just I think I think being honest is a bit of both I think you know if you talk to because you know we always say we, we do not profess to diagnose we're not clinicians we're just people who have created a tool yeah that almost enhances what clinicians do and, yeah and time stamps but in terms of taking it back to the family environment I think it's it is a bit of both it's a bit reactive mm. so whether something's happening at the time but also there is genetics in there as well because that's what makes you as a person. And I think as you grow up, you take as gospel everything your mum and dad tell you and then you begin to challenge it and then you become your own person. That can be quite scary in itself. And I think if you implant the notion that um, showing your personality or your innermost feelings is a scary thing to do, but hopefully with mood being, being able to sort of timestamp literally in a binary form of, you know, press the button, happy, sad, it's mindfulness and practice, and then you crack on with your day, whatever that mm. might be. Now, whether you're 7 or 37 or 87, there's still that moment in time that's made you feel a certain way. Yeah. And I think rather than it being bold, uh, what you're actually saying is this is how I truly felt at that moment in time. And it can actually be quite... Um, a really, you know, it's a, it's a huge pivotal moment. We've had people who've been on the prototype trials who maybe in, into their 30s have just broken down and said, you know, I've never once stopped to think how I feel. Yeah. Never. I know. You know, nobody's ever asked me. And to, to actually be asked how you feel actually makes a lot of people very emotional mm. because it shows that somebody cares. Yeah. And I think having, you know, care in your, on your wrist, if you like, in terms of self-care, uh, being able to press that button and know how you, how you feel and then non-verbally transfer that information to somebody else if you want to share it is actually quite a big big step awesome so just so let's just at this point then focus in on uh, on mood beam mm -hmm. so you've you've spoken there a little bit and you was hinting towards the device and wearables and etc just explain for the listeners whether uh, if there are managers team leaders supervisors just key people in the organization what have you created what in a nutshell what is the device and what does it do okay brilliant um so moodbeam basically is a tool that allows a, its user or its wearer to log their mood on the go and it's a wrist so device it's a wrist, wrist yeah. worn, uh, wearable it literally has two buttons mm -hmm. uh yellow for happy blue for sad um it ha actually has a um a braille dimple if you like for visually impaired but also for people if they want to wear it it's charity band mm. style so it's not a big clunky watch it's very lightweight it can it doesn't have to be close to the skin we're not dealing with biometrics here we're purely and simply 
uh, a band on your arm that allows you to press a button and that mood is captured yeah. in that moment. So if other people didn't know what it was, it would just appear as a charity band or some type of Completely. yeah, some type of watch or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to signal I am stressed or I am worried. You're, you're designed it in a way which is. Very so, discreet. so so discreet, yeah. Yeah, it's very discreet, and really, what we've done, and we've thought a long, long time about user experience and what it feels like. It's very soft, sort of silicon band. Uh, you can sort of stretch it over your wrist. Mm. So whether you're younger or older, with you know dexterity issues, you pop it onto your arm, and literally, it can just stay there and either have the the face to the front, if you like, the two buttons. Uh, outwardly showing because a lot of people are happy to talk about their mental health and it's almost like an amulet to say mm. look hey I'm, I'm taking care of how yeah. I feel um, or they can turn it around and it's just a simple white band at the moment um, that can be just worn like a charity band and I guess well, yeah and I guess you you made a really good point within that which is if we're going to achieve what we want to achieve in the mental health space mm. i.e. it's okay to talk and it shouldn't be a stigma around it then it people will want people to know what it is. I mean, I, I've spoken with quite a lot of people in the workplace over recent months and over the last year who are struggling, and they're quite bold and outgoing with it, and people know in the department, and, and you know, it give, it's a bit of a breath, breath of fresh air because they're not treading on eggshells around people. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, if we achieve what we want to achieve, it doesn't really matter, but what we're saying is it is designed with, with being mindful around not just displaying to everybody what it is, what it's used mm. for, etc. Mm. Um, That's personality so, driven. Though, yeah. as well. it depends how you want to wear it. Of course, of course. So it's a, just to, to recap, it's a wearable device, a wrist device, uh, two buttons uh, on it, which can record a happy feeling or a sad feeling, yeah. basically. That information then is transferred um, wirelessly to an app, which Brilliant. comes free with the device. So like any other wearable tech, when you think about... Um, you know, Fitbits and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's got you've got an app on your phone. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're pressing, the trends that you're recording throughout the day, whether it's happy or sad, records uh, to an app. So yeah. later in the day, you could go on yeah. and you could see your sort of timeline of the day and your peaks and troughs. Is that right? Absolutely, got it in one. It's basically an electronic mood diary. So really, uh, once it comes in close, once the device, the uh, wearable, comes in close proximity to a paired and trusted device like your phone or a tablet, the information is automatically downloaded so that you get to open up the app and you get to see a diary of moods and what that also allows you to do within the app is you can annotate. Mm. So if you can remember, you know, why okay, you press well, the button, eleven yeah. o'clock, what happened? Oh yeah, yeah. So I was in a meeting with so and so. He triggered me. It made exactly. me feel bad. I pressed the button. Yeah. Yeah. So literally, it is. But what it also has within the device now, um, it has an accelerometer. So you are able to sort of, uh, it does track sleep and movement. So although mood is the predominant factor, because that's what people really need to be thinking about, how is my mood affected by what I drink, what I eat, who I talk to, what I was doing at a certain time, it has that added sort of information so that when you go into the app, you can literally look at that and go, well, yeah, I didn't have lunch, 
till about three o'clock. Mm. Well, no wonder my, you know, in terms of, you know, workplace, no wonder uh, I was grumpy or I hadn't performed the tasks that I'd set out to do. Um, and you just beat yourself up over all of these things. You can probably really simply change if you turn around and go, well, hang on a minute. Before anything, I knew that meeting was coming up. I'll prepare myself mentally and physically for that. Good breakfast, lots of water and a bit of downtime before that meeting. And you've sort of answered my next question in that one, which is great, which is, the value of it is, yes, it's a simple push-a-button model. You know, I'm happy, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling happy. Um, but you can then look at the trends and start to think about the things, either environmental in the workplace or uh, relationship-based or whatever it might be that are triggering. Is there a pattern to when I'm pressing the unhappy button? Is it the minute I walk through to work in the morning? <laughs> is it when I'm in a meeting with a certain person? Is it uh, when I, my workload is is really coming on at peak times of the day? Whatever it might be. Um, and you can then start to correlate the things that are triggering that unhappy behaviour and make a change. And that's what you sort of say in there. It really is. When, when you're able to see in black and white or blue and <clears throat> yellow, in our case, really um, how your mood is affected by certain things throughout the day, that, that leads to sort of, a, you know, confident decision making. And whether you are, you know, a junior um, intern or somebody who's running the, the company, you're able to work sort of together to start a conversation, say, well, maybe we shouldn't have that day like that. Maybe on a Monday, it's, you know, uh, you know, between nine and 12, it's allowing you to prepare for the week rather than starting, you know, a yeah. team meeting at 10 o'clock when you're under pressure, just get into yeah. the office. Or maybe it's, it's we're asking you to stand up every Friday in the boardroom and present the weekly figures to the board and you are having meltdowns running up to it and afterwards, it might not be for you. You know, you're, you're very good with the data and the figures and you know your, your department, but it's physically at this moment in time sending you into a, a spiral 24 hours before and afterwards. So we've got to make a change there, right? So, yeah, I like that. Now, one of the things I'm going to do at this point is I just want to signpost any managers or leaders who are listening to this to the hub because you get access to the, the T2 Managing Stress in the Workplace Toolkit. And uh, Christina and I have, have talked about this a lot, and this is a sort of how our paths crossed and where we found the, the, the synergies. But what I love about the Mood Beam product and where I think it fits into this is in our Managing Stress Toolkit, as you will see on the hub, is we have a worry diary. And we categorise worries hypothetical or practical, and we ask people to keep a seven-day diary and write down in the moment when they feel unhappy or worried, if it's hypothetical or practical, time of day, strength of worry, etc. So... We're asking people to then come back after seven days, sit with their manager and review the worry diary. And that then gives the manager an idea of the triggers that are instigating the worry, worries in the first place. And then we can deal with them, whether they're practical or hypothetical. And there's a whole, if you look in the toolkit, there's a whole host of techniques and coaching stuff that we, we uh, provide you to be able to then, no matter what that output is, we can help the individual deal with it. But the problem with that sometimes is that if you're in a meeting with three people, and somebody triggers you, or you're having an instant thought of uh, unhappy thought, or you feel stressed or under pressure, you can't just get your bloody worry diary out and start writing in it, right? There's no discretion with that sometimes, and if you try and do it too far afterwards, it, it, it can... What I love about the Moonbeam device is you can press that button discreetly with nobody else being aware or knowing, and, it, and so therefore it, it, you're more likely to capture things in the moment then try to reflect on them at the end of the day. And don't get me wrong, the worry diary works if you're in isolation or on your own, but 
a lot of the times we feel under stress and pressured and we feel like we're worrying and we're create, we've got anxiety when we're in a public forum or domain. And the device allows you to do that, Christina. Would you, would you agree with that? I think I, absolutely. And I think it, it beautifully <coughs> sums up the synergy between what you do and how Moodbeam could be another tool in your toolkit. You know, I think really being able to, you know, use the diary, but also at the same time, you know, personally press a button yourself is very empowering. Mm. And you know that you've captured that and you get, you know, there is a haptic feedback. So you'll have an acknowledgement that the, the button has been pressed, you know, for the happy button, it's on syllables, it's the journalist and me. So there are two syllables for happy, two vibration, two haptic buzzes. Right. For the sad, there's one. So you'll know which button you've pressed. So even if you're right. not looking directly, you're trying exactly. to discreetly do it under the desk. Completely. You'll know if you've pressed the right one. You'll know, yeah. And then after the meeting, you could essentially go back to your desk or workstation. Mm. You could open your app and you could just type in a few notes of why you pressed that Absolutely. button. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be, you know, John said this and then Angela said that. And that's that moment because, uh, you know, my, my... It made I, me feel like it this. It made me feel this or made me feel that. And I think what's really nice, the way that um, workplaces are embracing sort of mood beam is that they actually want to show that they do care, but in a really affordable, accessible way. Yeah. So it's something that perhaps, you know, you would gift to a new employee, almost like a probationary, you know, um, mm. care body. Yeah. So you would say, look, we know this is, you know, a new environment for you, but we do care. We want you to enjoy your work. We want to get the best out of you as a person. Uh, and that can sometimes be enough in itself but if somebody has been struggling or what we do know is that there's an awful lot of um presenteeism going yes, on yes so you are sitting there you're very very grateful for the job you have but your mind's just not on it for whatever reason and being able to non-verbally you know share that information with a line manager or somebody that you trust within an organization is a really good way for sort of you know line managers to know that somebody is struggling because up until now, it's been a case of, well, you know, they're not performing and then you don't get any feedback because it's too personal an issue to talk about. And then you're seen as, you know, uh, reticent or not, you know, focused on the job when in fact there could be something. Because um, I think this is a really important part of Moodbeam, we hope, is that with the mood beam, it's the user, the wearer who owns the information. Yeah. So it's entirely up to them whether they share that information. Mm. So in terms of empowerment, it's fantastic for the user. But in terms of a company, there's zero accountability. Because we know and appreciate from talking to a lot of companies that historically it's terrifying to know that somebody is potentially struggling. And then, God forbid, something does happen and they do commit suicide mm. or they attempt to having the knowledge to know that they were struggling but then potentially thinking what you well, know did, what we, do we, do? We, did we do all so we can so just to make that clear point um the accountability is not with the organization the organization okay. can choose this as an initiative to provide a device and a model of, of supporting employees but it's the employees accountability and ownership they can share that with the organization if they want yeah. or they can choose to just you know use it where it and 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 keep it themselves so with um with managers then let's just turn it back to the managers so if we've got managers listening to this who have got maybe one couple of people in their team who they know have got a history of of chronic uh depression or mental health issues or just periods where they get stressed and anxious you know there's the, the vast spectrum is from mm -hmm. not everybody's suicidal and depressed right some people just don't handle pressure very well some people 
just our anxious people, right? And, um, you know, but for any managers listening to this who have got people in their team who are susceptible to this or and they're thinking, well, this would be a really useful um, tool to use, um, do you, how do you do it? Do you sort of have a conversation with the, how do you encourage organisations to do it? Do they have a conversation with the individual first to basically say, listen, we have this at our disposal. We will happily provide the device for you. Um, we'd like you to work with the manager on it. It is your discretion whether you want to do that or not. Um, but the whole idea of this is we can help you if we if we know what's triggering and concerning you. So do you sort of do you have terms and conditions around it? How how simple is it for managers to deploy with their team members? Um, I think it's you know a lot of the time it's how long's a piece of string, but I think it really depends on the sort of. Um, the company sort of ethos, if you like, if they are a company who perhaps now this is really quite a, a you know a sweeping statement, but for example, if you have a company that you've had individuals who've worked f- with you for 10, 20 plus years, you will have a natural relationship already established, and perhaps with those individuals, it's something that you would keep maybe within your HR toolkit, so that's something that you pull out when you sort of think, hang on, there's a lot of days absence. And you perhaps gift it to them and say, look, this is, you know, part of the HR strategy. Um, it'll allow you to sort of, you know, know that we care, yeah. use it at will, and we'll be able to sort of talk about it if you want to share it. But we, you know, there is evidence growing that with, uh, you know, younger generations coming through millennials, there's an expectation to have something available in the workplace for mental health. So they will actually be a lot more open mm. and vocal about the fact that I have suffered from uh, anxiety for 10 years. Um, I've gone through this program, but I really want this job. And that's an opportunity to say, well, that's great because we actually, within our wellbeing program, have this device called Moodbeing. You wear it, and if you want to, you share it. Love it. And I think it sort of, it really allows the company to um to to allow the user to decide and Love i think it. that's really important so what you're saying is it's situationally relevant you you have it as part of your well-being uh program in the organization you cannot enforce it upon everybody nor should you No, you should be aggressively deploying this with anybody you think is stressed or whatever it might be they've got to drive that but we've got to communicate that we have it within our program um this is what it is this is how it's used you can keep it and use it in isolation or you can engage with your manager and they will then help and support and coach you around it. But but the choice is yours. We just have it as part of our program. And do you know what, Christina? We do that with our Managing Stress Toolkit. We accredit HR and leaders on it. It's a train-the-trainer thing. They then become the custodians of it and how they want to use it is, is their prerogative. It's situationally relevant. There'll be some people who will love it and want to engage with it there might be some people of an older generation who might be hesitant skeptical mm-hmm. uh you know find it a bit exposing or whatever it might be so we've just got to make sure that we are applying it situationally is what you're sort of saying i think yeah i think so it's a tool really uh that allows people who do know what they're talking about if you like to enhance what they already do so uh if within a company there's a, a mentor or a buddy or HR or whatever is the support, it will allow them to sort of see uh, evidential mood, if you like. So that's that person's mood. It's very anonymized unless they share to, you know, they opt to sort of share. At the minute, what we've worked on within the trials is that it's anonymous. It's a numerical. 
It's, uh, you know, an opportunity to know that at some point you might appear on a company dashboard. We are sort of talking to companies about, you know, mood beam dashboards yeah. where you see the well-being of your workforce. Yeah. So that conversation's already started. But at the moment, it's very much uh, in an anonymous basis. So there's no big brother. There's nobody yeah. watching you. And, and you know what? I think it would be wonderful to have the dashboard and I can see how... You can sort of go from an organisational level to a departmental level to a team level to an individual level. But you might be stepping in, and you've already thought of this, right? You might be stepping into the realms where people then start not being completely honest with it because they don't want to come across. Yes. So what you what the beauty about it in its origins is, is it's completely anonymous and personal. So they you hopefully they will capture exactly how they're feeling. And if then they choose to share that, mm-hmm. it's going to be more powerful. Yeah. I, th- I think that's I'm not it. saying the other one won't work, yeah. but it, you, that's a consideration you've got to... Yeah, I think everybody's going to be different. And I think ultimately being sort of gifted or handed, you know, or we are actually talking to GPs at the moment, mm. perhaps socially prescribed one, so that when you come to a new position or you come back to work after a period of absence and people say, well, what's that? It's like I'm, I'm taking control of my mental health. I'm taking control of my well-being, yeah. you know, and a, and it's actually a real talking point because then you get over the whole sort of historically uncomfortable bit of I wonder how they are, are they all right again, do you know? Mm. And it's the whole sort of, you know, being quite bold uh, and showing, well, nobody, you know, questions, um, you know, sort of physical health monitors, do they? Well, why would you do that? Exactly. You know, well, it's, you know, it's... it's I love that. We, 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 we will spend money and wear all of these devices <laughs> and share them on Facebook and exactly. how, how many miles we've run and what our Fitbit tells us about our heart rate, but we, we seem to completely view it differently when it comes to mental health. Yeah. And that's the stigma we're trying to remove, right? I think so. When you realise, like, the World Health Organisation predicted a couple of years ago, and unfortunately they're still on track, that... The biggest disease globally by 2020 will be mental health and mental illness. When when you know that that's coming, you want to. We can We're certainly not professing to, you know, you know, kill the tidal wave. But we would like to think that at some point people will be bold enough to say, well, actually, I do care about myself, and I think that's where it starts. Yeah. And I think that's where the conversation carries on. Do you know what we have a we have a a, a theory here or a concept that I always talk about in conferences and stuff and. Um, making decisions and taking action is the number one key when it comes to challenge and threat state mindsets. You know, when we are not taking action and we are procrastinating and hypothetical worrying, but we are not making decisions and taking action, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Whereas when we go, hang on a second, let me bring it back to the present and let me take action, i.e. I'm going to do something about it, that's that's the origins, it's the start of recovery, it's the start of improving your mental health and uh, and thinking more challenge state than threat state and what this device and what this process will do is it it it, it triggers some action it starts is. to trigger action yeah. and we sort of underestimated because again you know it was something that came into my head from a personal experience but when you speak to people like brain scientists for example um very very clever people who have spent years researching the mind and placebo effect and all those yeah. things they get very very excited about mood beams potential within that arena because you know and in some of our prototype trials very very humbling but overwhelming experiences for us because what what's happened is even just by pressing a button can release i think four different types of endorphins serotonin and all of these things that 
naturally encourage you to start to feel a bit better. We've had 16-year-olds who've been self-harming and haven't wanted to leave their homes. Suddenly out in a coffee shop talking yeah. to somebody. Because they know we, if they get if they feel the way they do, they can press the button and we'll deal with that later. It's the physical press yeah. that we underestimate. Apparently, just pressing a button can get you up off your feet. Yeah. Uh, and walking out the door and I suppose in every sense of the word metaphorically and physically being able to take that step outside or back in to the office mm. is a massive massive thing and and just knowing that the button press some people who haven't even seen the visualizations haven't seen their moods visualized are already encouraged and then when they get to see their moods it's like a double whammy of mm. like wow I thought I was miserable but there's loads of yellow there yeah, and you know what? One of the um, one of the things why it correlates with our managing stress toolkit that we've created is because we have a space in the diary for recording the recording the happy moments, the great moments. So we're saying we don't want you to just put down the practical and hypothetical worries that you observe, but we want you to capture what makes you feel great. So if that's reward and recognition in the workplace, if it's spending time with loved ones, if it's eating chocolate cake, whatever it might be, what what triggers a happy moment in you? So what you can do with Moodbeam is the same thing. So then what we do is we start to say to people, well, all of these things trigger anxiety in you and worries. But all of these things make you feel great. So we don't have to be neuroscientists to say do less of this and more of this, right? So if a manager listening to this can then help an individual, they will say, how can I facilitate more of that and try to eradicate this? So it at least gives you that pathway forward. It gives you a way, rather than just trying to eat the elephant in one and thinking, oh my God, my employees is stressed or I'm now having to deal with, chuck it over to HR or they go off on sick leave. And then where are we? We're heading nowhere. And you still don't know why. Whereas at least with Moodbeam, you start a conversation that has historically been really difficult to do because you're reaching into an abyss. Whereas if you know that 11 o'clock every day is a really unproductive or difficult time for somebody. Yeah. You shift around the work. Or if there's a particular individual that they're just yes. not getting on with all this history or it's getting to the you know, a lot of a lot of my experience, Christina, is a lot of individuals who start to struggle in organizations, it's usually because of their relationship with their direct manager. Mm-hmm. We see it in very uh, high octane pressurized roles such as sales or whatever it might be where they're just um, the manager and their uh, and the relationship between them and their manager is incredible. It's gone beyond, you know, um, collaborative or repair, yeah. and that's what we see. And and you know that we, we need to be able to capture that. If 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 there's an individual or another person in an organisation who is triggering, then we need to either facilitate a role change or temporarily move them into a different team or a different area, and just to see if it settles and improves and. Now, these, this is the type of data you can get from it. So last last question, because I know we're, we're on a half an hour already. I could talk to you all day. Um, last question. If I was to say, um, you know, what a lot of people struggle with what a manager's responsibilities in an organisation, because let's face it, they're ill-equipped to deal with stuff. Sometimes the managers might be dealing with their own stuff, right? So um, my view is they can't be uh, a psychologist. They can't be, you know, delivering cognitive behavioral therapy or understanding how to diagnose a particular um you know a particular mental health situation but they do have a duty of care on the front line i think to at least try and get close to their people recognize when they're struggling and at least go through that triage mm-hmm. phase of like we're saying what is triggering it is it the company 
Is it something in the role? Is it an individual? Or is it something in their personal life? At least triage that to show duty of care and then decide on what, as a manager, can I help them with and what do we need to either pass on or facilitate mm. professional support with? Mm. That's my view, right? So that should give managers listening to this the confidence to say, well, I can do something. I can do more than what I'm doing now. Sure. And I don't have to become a psychologist. Uh, but I just want to sort of show them that we care, show the duty of care, and at least go through the triage process. That's how my view on it. Would you agree with that or? Yeah, well, I think I think it's really, really simple in terms of what mood being creates. It's a, it creates conversations. Yeah. It brings the human back to, it's human-centric, if you like. You know, because we, we deal with, you know, managers all the time who suffer from imposter syndrome. Yes. So they've reached the heady ranks, the ivory towers, whatever you want to call it, but they feel so isolated because half of them are thinking, how the hell did I get here? The other Am half, I good enough? Am well, I going exactly, to get found out? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because they're still human beings. Yeah, of course. So no matter uh, what role you're in, it's the human side of things that we really need to keep a hold of. We're in a world now where there's you know, AI and AR and VR and algorithms and all of these amazing, wonderful technological advances. But first and foremost, we're human beings. Mm. And I think um, what Moodbeam allows for is somebody to be a human being. So, it, you know, for the, for the managers listening, it must be so tricky. And I know as a manager myself uh, from past experiences to start a conversation and what we've uh, allowed now with Moodbeam is that there's evidence to have that conversation. So yeah. instead of going, oh, you know, I think you've, have you been struggling? Um, we, you can turn around and say, you know, you've thankfully had the confidence to uh, perhaps send me on an email the information to your Moodbeam diary entries, you know, your diary of moods. And I can see that on a Monday and a Friday you really struggle um and is that because of family circumstances are you having to do you know a handover what whatever it is do you want to talk to me yeah. about that yeah and that do you want to talk to me but has never been achievable before because you've got nothing to, to go on yeah whereas what what you're going with mood beam is that you're able to sort of evidence mood and either you know look at it yourself or share it uh, with somebody else and talk about it. It creates conversation. It really does. It just starts the discussion, which is that whole piece of trying to triage what's triggering it, what might be happening, and if I can help. Yes. And you know what? If you've done everything within your power to help, then great. If it's outside of your power, then it's it's time as a manager to have a conversation with HR and what more could we be doing? Yes. Can we offer external support? Can we do anything that will help alleviate this situation, this personal situation, or whatever it might be? for the employee and, and you mentioned a good point there it's not reserved for managers listening to this it's not just reserved for team members right there are mm. levels of managers who struggle and imposter sy- syndrome is only one of them that some people just struggle from anxiety themselves what more what more powerful message can you send than wearing one yourself as a manager say listen it helps me yes. i'm okay with it, it helps yeah. me and i found this this and this why don't you give it a go we've, we've had that two, you know, two examples of two different companies where the the, the boss, if you like, was wearing one in the team meeting and they were applauded and championed by um, their workforce because they thought, oh, well, oh my God, if, if he's wearing one, yeah. it's all right yeah. for us. And, and, you know, and it was almost like they allowed 
because it's very difficult. You you know this more than I do, but it's very difficult to not to be too matey. Yeah. But show that you care when yeah. you're in a position of authority. What he actually did was he turned around and said, "Look, I could do with some support. Yeah. Looking after you all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it is. It is. Yeah. That's where the it humanizes the leader or yeah. the manager, and it says, "Listen, we're all busy. We all on some spectrum." You know, we all, this is the thing I always say to people when I talk about mental health. We all have it. We all have mental health. It's not, when you think of the word mental, the stigma with it is, I had a great guy in here talking to me, Leon McQuaid, who's Andy's Man Club. And he said, I hate the word mental because when you visualize the word mental, you instantly think of straight jackets, hospitals, people who shouldn't be fit to be on the street. But we all have mental health which means our we all have a mindset and a mentality and a brain and there's a, a there's a level of health to the way we think and, and and our current mood and mindset. Yes, some people's is very positive, some people's are in the middle up and down, etc, but we all have mental health and we all have times when we're stressed or overcapacitated or busy or distracted. So there's nothing better than a manager who can say look this is helping me. This is helping me know when my mood is fluctuating in the day, which has a direct impact on you, the mm-hmm. team, right? So, yeah, great. Think about initiatives where you could include yourself in it, even if you don't believe you're struggling from mental health, but as a way of coping with the highs and lows of the day. It, it's preventative. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think, you know, mental health, we talk about positive mental health. We talk about mood being health. So you take the whole word out of the equation and just know that you're looking at your, exactly. your mood and your mind. Exactly. So, so that, that's what I mean. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> but um, just to sort of uh, summarise and encapsulate for this Hubcast, uh, for any managers or leaders or users who are listening to this Hubcast, um, mental health, uh, the whole arena of it, whether you agree with the term or not, it's here to stay. More and more people are becoming comfortable and confident in speaking about it. I think it's on the agendas at a high level in organisations more than ever. That's only going to stay and grow. Um, We don't believe, I think me and Christina sort of agree on this, we don't believe that you should become a guru in it because you've got enough to do in the workplace. What you should do is consider the, are you showing a duty of care? And by showing a duty of care, we're just saying driving discussions, allowing people to open up and sometimes trying to get to the triggers and instigators of what's driving their worries and stress. Sometimes they are workplace driven. Sometimes they're in their personal life. Sometimes they're a mixture of both. But we want to try and triage that. Um, On the hub, we have the Managing Stress Toolkit. Have a look at it. Um, Feel free to use it. Deploy the seven-day diary with your team. But what we strongly believe here at T2 will will go hand-in-hand in in that is the Mood Beam device, the wearable device on the wrist that allows people to discreetly capture their mood in the moment, happy or sad, um, and then contextualize it later within the app. Uh, it's their prerogative whether they share the information so that you can provide it as an employer as part of your wellbeing program. Um, but we want to be asking the question situationally and saying, listen, well, I can help you if, if I've got access to the information or if, if you're willing to share what some of the information with me and we can tackle this together. Either way, it's a way of organisations for me getting practical with frontline support um, for, for mental health in the workplace. And would you agree with that? Have I summarised so, that? Yeah, you really have. Yeah, you have. I think it just a, it's the whole sort of mentality behind it really is that you're empowering your workforce um, and by doing that you're also empowering yourself and you're having a lot more open, confident decision-making going on and surely that's productive. It's got to be. It's got to be. So um, if you want to inquire more about Moodbeam, 
you can inquire with us through the hub at help at trans2performance.com. But Christina, just want to give your website and your details yeah. so if they want to go direct. That'd be lovely, yeah. So the uh, website is www.moodbeam.co.uk and on social media, we're at Moodbeam Life. Awesome. So Christina Coma McHugh. Got it right. You got it right. Co-founder <laughs> of Moodbeam. Thank you very much for your time. It's invaluable. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.